0: Welcome to Bringing Reading Back, a virtual book club podcast where we hope to rediscover our love of reading. Now you're listening to a pre-pod episode. This means that tomorrow we'll be releasing our more in-depth discussion of this book. However, if you can't be bothered to read it before then, we're going to tell you the summary now. So stick around and BRB for now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bringing Reading Back. I'm Tori, and these two lovely ladies are my co-hosts. Hey, I'm
1: Danielle. And hey,
0: Jay. And this is the We Were Liars pre-pod. We had to jump on the TikTok train, or book talk train, I guess. And we rearranged <laughs> our entire schedule just so we could fit this book in. So, if you were listening to The Curious Sensitive of the Dog at the TikTok made me do it. Yes, TikTok <laughs> made me buy it. But if you listened to the last episode and we said that we were going to be talking about a different book in the next episode, we are the liars because we are now <laughs> talking about...
1: <laughs>
0: oh, you got us. <laughs> we are now talking about E. Lockhart's <laughs> book. So...
1: Is it a lie if you thought it was a truth when you said it? We'll come back. Hey, we did. We did think it was the (laughs) truth. (laughs) Jury's still out on that one. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and jump right in um, and talk about the family that we're about to meet. So this is the Sinclair family. Um, They have old money. So I'm just going to read to you directly. If you have the physical copy of the book, there's actually a family tree in the front. So I'm just going to read directly off the family tree. Um, So the first is Harris Sinclair and his wife, Tipper. So Harris and Tipper have traveled the world. Um, he's a wealthy businessman, and for his daughters, he decides that he's going to buy an island, and he named Beechwood Island, and he is going to build houses for each of his daughters. So each daughter has their own specific home that they've designed themselves, um, and in the summers, all of the daughters and all of their kids um, and their spouses, if they're still married, uh, come to stay on. Beachwood Island. So the first daughter is Carrie, and she is married to a man named William Dennis. So Carrie is actually left by William uh, whenever she's pregnant with their second son. Their first son is named Johnny, and the second boy is named Will. So whenever Carrie is pregnant with Will, William decides to just pack up and and head out. He decides to go to something better. Um, And right after Will is born, Carrie meets a man named Ed. And Ed is of Indian descent, so he's got more of a brown skin tone, um, but he also brings his nephew Gap with him to the island, whenever they come to visit the island. So right away, they stand out from these blonde, blonde-haired, blonde blue-eyed, white people, um, because they are the only people with even remotely darker skin tones. The next daughter is Bess, and she's married to a, na- a man named Brody Sheffield. And Bess has four children. Uh, the oldest is Mirren, who's a little bit younger than Jami. Uh, the next two are twins. They're named Liberty and Bonnie. And then the fourth child is named Taft. So kind of the same situation happens. Uh, Bess is abandoned by her husband. Um, did he die? I don't think he died. I think he just left. I no idea. <laughs> There's a lot of divorce in this family. Um... Anyway, her husband is no longer in the picture, and she has four kids. Um, Oh, and I guess it's important to say, so whenever they're not on the island, Carrie lives in New York City, but whenever she's on the island, she lives at the house named Redgate. And so whenever Bess is on the island, she lives in a place called Cuddledown, which is a very small house, but whenever she's not on the island, she lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And then the third daughter is named Penny. And she marries a man named Sam Eastman. And together they have one child. Um, and it's a girl. Her name is Cadence. She goes by Katie. She is the oldest granddaughter. So it goes Cadence, Johnny, Mirren, Big Gap. And then you have Liberty and Bonnie and then Will and Taft are about the same age. But whenever Cadence is 15, her father decides that he wants to go uh, date a much younger blonde with bouncier bosoms um, who wear shorter skirts. So they are abandoned again by this man. So whenever they're on the island, they live at a place called Windermere. And whenever they are not, they live in Burlington, Vermont. So very cold weather here. Um, and then Harris and Tipper live in Boston, wherever they're not, um, when they're not on the island. And wherever they are on the island, they live in the big house called Claremont. The the Sinclair family, like I said, they're a very tight-knit family. Um, They have a lot of money. Every daughter has a trust fund, so every grandchild has a trust fund. On the outside, they look like a perfect all-American family because they spend all of these summers together on this beautiful island. They go to Martha's Vineyard for 4th of July. They are the all-American family. They're all very tall and very blonde and very pale. They are just this essence of a beautiful family. But they have a dark secret. They have lots of dark secrets. So, yeah. With that, I will pass it on to somebody else who wants to talk about Summer 15. Yeah. So, we open the
0: book, actually, after we learn about the St. Clairs. It's actually Summer 17, which is how Katie labels the summers. So... It's just the ages of the liars and the liars are the four teenagers that, you know, uh, she's come to be very close to during the summers. So herself, Will, or uh, Johnny, Gat and Mirren. So these are the liars and they got that name when they were like 10 or something or um it's just something that their family has gone got to call them. So That's their little nickname for their group. So we are two years removed from Summer 15 when something horrible happened. We learn that she, meaning Katie, has not returned to the island since. She hasn't really had any contact with any of the liars due to the fact that um, you know she 's tried to reach out she 's felt really um depressed and not herself and she 's changed a lot since the summer. She knows that there was a horrible medical accident she woke up with um she woke up on the beach she was in her underwear that 's pretty much all she remembers. She knows that she was she knows that she had suffered many different injuries and was taken to the hospital. She stayed in the hospital for a little while, but she does not remember anything else about that summer. Of 15. So she's begged and begged and begged her mom to let her return to the island so she could get some answers and also so she can reconnect with her family, the four reconnect with the, the group of kids. Finally, after all this time of being kept away from the island, uh, you know, she's had to spend time with her estranged father, traveling in Europe and whatnot. Finally, her mom decides to let her go with her to the Sinclair's Island that summer of 17. And like I said, she's undergone these drastic changes. She has been giving away all of her belongings. And of course, she's had some very luxurious items due to the fact that her family just is well off and and she's, you know, reaped the benefits of that. But she's basically given away anything that was not essential to her living her life, uh, even her like prized or um, really dear to her belongings, such as books and, you know, what have you. And she's also dyed her very blonde hair to black. She's started dressing just, you know, in a with utility clothes instead of like uh, fashionable, just anything that's um, useful instead of, you know, what's in. So that's a big, big change to her, and so she finally comes to the island summer of 17 and she's greeted by her her friends, her sib or her uh, relatives and she realizes that people are definitely treating her very differently they're kind of coddling her nobody's talking about what happened she notices the little changes in the her family themselves so usually they kind of bicker but none of that is going on. Everyone seems very supportive. They're hugging each other. They're asking her how she is, but not really talking about anything else, like anything deeper than surface level. You know, they're, like I said, almost coddling her like she can't handle the truth of what happened. So, um, And even the younger children are weird around her. They're like, mm. Are you a drug addict? <laughs> like we, we got told <laughs> that you were a drug addict and stuff like that. And so, she's like, "No," even though she probably does suffer from uh, some issues with her medicine. She definitely she
1: takes a lot of Percocet. She definitely
0: does. And Katie like jokes about it. She's got a very strange sense of hu- sense of humor, which I think probably makes her. Uh, family members more uncomfortable about the situation so they're trying to tread lightly and she's just like yeah i wouldn't want to rock the boat with a kid who's addicted to percocets either or something like that so
1: she kind of has that that sense of humor that we've attributed to millennials like older millennials because like the kind of there's this idea that millennials have this sick sense of humor that's just come from trauma (laughs) millennials tend to have like oh yeah i'm going to make this kind of dark joke because trauma so i think she kind of plays off of that Yeah, she definitely has this like
0: joking about her traumatic events and whatnot but then she also realizes that the home that her like the main house on the island where her grandparents used to stay which is like Claremont or something like that, has mm-hmm. been completely destroyed and renovated. So she learns that after the death of her grandmother, which who she was very close to and kind of she described as like holding the family together, after she passed away, the grandpa kind of seems to be developing some kind of dementia. And she realizes that he has torn down the old place and rebuilt like a very... The old place was like homey and and what whatnot but like the new claremont which is what they call it seems like very sharp and and like it has the like no comfort it seems very modern and yeah like these hard Mm -hmm. angles and white and just not what she remembers so there are all these changes going
1: on yeah um and slowly through her summer of 17, we get bits and pieces of summer and 15. So she knew that there had been an accident because that's why she's on medication. That's why she can't remember anything. Uh, that's why she's in the boat she's in. We slowly get like bits and pieces about why and like what it is that happened. So summer of 15, we, she really remembers just having a lot of fun, mostly. Like she remembers that they were laughing but can't remember what they were laughing at. And so, again, there's four liars. So there's Katie, there's Myron. 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 Okay. Uh, M. And uh, there's (laughs) Gat and there's Johnny. And Katie and Gat have a, I would say, like, a pretty stereotypical 15-year-old relationship. Special Uh, bond. (laughs) Yeah. They like each (laughs) other. They hold hands sometimes. But they're maybe not, like, super confident about their relationship and they don't like want to label it it's the classic
0: summer love like they go back to their lives it's like a country club love like if you
1: right it really (laughs) is if
0: you like are a richie family and you like every summer we go to this you know the our our house in the you know what do they call them house in the hamptons hamptons yeah Mm -hmm. and then like you know that this family also goes to the house in the hamptons and like That boy's real cute, but you always return to your lives in the fall. So, yeah, it's like classic, stereotypical summer love.
1: Yeah, for rich people. Yes. Not us. Not us. No. We see the same same boys (laughs) year-round. Yeah. (laughs) To be fair, I do have a story that's kind of similar to that, but we'll talk about that in the the actual podcast. (laughs) But, um, so anyway, so they have, like, this really fun dynamic, and... Katie and Gat are dating ish. Um, and Mirren's just kinda bouncy and she's like a little conceited, I would say. Like she's very like wants to tell like be her have her story her kind of way. And Johnny's just kinda like daft. Um
0: Yeah, he's just <laughs> he's silly and like not really he doesn't take things too serious and but also seems like a nice guy. Like he is
1: Yeah. He helps you like joke and stuff, but yeah.
0: That's kind of the dynamic. Erin spends
1: most of summer 15 talking about her boyfriend that she has had, in her own words, lots of sexual intercourse with. That was 17. <laughs> that yeah, year was 17. 17. Was it mm-hmm. 17? I thought it was six, 15. It was 17. Oh, never mind. I'm sorry. I lied. It's <laughs> fine. You're I'm good. a liar. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're all hanging out. They're all chilling, all having a great time. Um, but one thing that's important to know is that M, Johnny, and Katie really don't see their privilege. Um, in the situation. Mm -hmm. And so that causes a huge issue with Gat because Gat is again, a person of color who is not wealthy, um, on this Island where spoiled wealthy people spend their summers, um, doing whatever they want and living in expensive houses. And so he starts highlighting some of the privilege that they experience and how it affects them and how they really don't understand his life when, when they're away from the Island, they just don't get him. Um, I think is what he tells Katie in 17. But this starts a discussion um, and leads to some resulting action. So Gat is letting them all know about the, you know, the issues and the privileges that he sees. And that's a major part of the summer of 15 is she remembers like a lot of small fights that she had had with Gat that continue on in December of 17. And then um, the last like big thing is that there's a fire. Um, she remembers that the house... Her grandpa's house, Claremont, um, burns down, which coincidentally is also who Gat kind of sees as the main issue of kind of reinforcing the the patriarchy and the stereotypes of um, I'm wealthy and you're not and I'm white and you're not and I'm better than you and all of those things. And so that's like the last big um, remembering moment we have is that the house that her grandpa had caught on fire.
0: Yeah, so sh- so Katie has these bits and pieces like she remembers a fire and her grandpa leaning against a tree and then she remembers, like uh, Jade said, like little little conversations. And so up on her ceiling in her room, she's like posting any kind of conversation or bit of information that she remembers at all on her ceiling so she could stare up at it as she's falling asleep and... Um, you know, as she's having these interactions with the liars, as well as her other family members, um, like her grandpa even takes her off the island to into town and, and she kind of is starting to remember things. Then, uh, that's kind of like the culmination of her memories as everything comes flooding back when she realizes, oh yeah, Claremont burned to the ground. And then I got these injuries and that's where all my problems started. So, this takes us to the end of the book. Um, And so, if you have a physical copy of We Were Liars, on the back it says, if anyone asks you how it ends, just lie. So, to follow Lockhart's wishes, the author's wishes, at least a little, we are going to give you a little spin on two truths and a lie. We are going to do our own for the ending. We're gonna go two lies and a truth, and then if you come, if you've read the book, you already know. But you know, if if you haven't, maybe read the book really fast, and then we'll reveal which is the truth in the podcast episode.
1: And it's a super fast read, so you have time to read it between when you listen to this pre pod yep. and whenever you listen to the actual podcast, because it goes super yeah, fast. Yeah, it's like a
0: young adult novel, so super easy. Danielle, why don't you give us
1: the first option? For the ending. All right. The twisty ending. So option A for the ending. So Katie realizes that Beachwood Island never actually existed. Her family wasn't rich. She had no cousins. She had created this false family narrative to distract herself from her life where she's actually in the foster care system. So she, she has created this fake family in her head that goes to Beachwood every summer and has this amazing life. And this all comes to light whenever she's in a therapy session, and she's actually in a therapy session because the group home that she lived in caught fire. So, the fire actually happened, but it was the group home that she lived in, in foster care, and that's what triggered.
0: kind of led to this. Yeah, that's what triggered.
1: Right. She created this false narrative in her head.
0: Right.
1: Yep. yep. So, that is
0: option one. Okay. Option two is... Uh, again, the fire actually happened. However, um, it was due to the fact that the liars became very disgruntled with the system that they were all living in. And although the three actual Saint Sinclair, or Sinclairs, Katie, Johnny, and Mirren, although although they were reaping the benefits of such a lifestyle, they also realized the downfalls because their parents were only focused on the estate that their grandpa was trying to will to them. And so there was bickering, you know, what could my, what could my dad give me? Stuff like that. Um, And so all three of them were kind of over their mothers and their grandpa. And so they realized that that house was like the staple, the symbol of what was wrong with their family so they decided to burn it katie sustains her injuries by running away from the fire that unfortunately caught the other three inside and she has been projecting them all of summer of 17 but unfortunately they are not real because they are they died in the fire of summer 15 that's option b patriarchy. <laughs> Racism. Racism.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, both of the two options so far are talking about the system, because we've got, like, the foster care system and how screwed up that is. We've got the patriarchy and how screwed up that mm-hmm. is. So, Jade, why don't you bring us home <laughs> with option C. All right. So, option C is that, yes, the fire also legitimately happened summer of 15, but she was, in fact, in the house smoke burns on her lungs, but she got out of the house before, um, she was, you know, deathly injured, but she did end up on the beach and in the water, um, trying to self-soothe her burns. Um, and then she ends up getting institutionalized, um, because of all of the, like the, the damages that she did suffer. And so she is on Percocet, just like the story says, and she does struggle with a little bit of addiction, but, it's her psych myths that are hallucinating all of these stories and that she's never left the hospital. And she's trying to deal with, you know, the experience that she went through and the, and dealing with her family in the summer of 15. And so she kind of pictures summer of 17 as she would like it to be, but it's not a reality. It's from her own, um, interaction with her brain and her medication and the positivity that she would like to see in the where she would want her family to be and the way she would like to be with her friends instead of where she is
0: and that wraps up we were liars so kind of mull those three options around in your brain go read the book and tune in for the next full episode we will be discussing yeah we will be discussing the true twisty ending in the full episode Lockhart
1: we are sorry (laughs) all right not sorry enough not to do it <laughs> all righty
0: so tune in then and brb for now brb
1: brb